and welcome to another episode of Trash Talk, a fairly newsless week in the NBL, which I'll tell you what is maybe a bit of a welcome change from what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But the man across from me, Pete Hawley, remains in his chair, yet to be removed. Yeah, it's good to be here. And you're right, not too much happened. Some big stories, but nothing that's really going to blow it out the water. Nothing completely negative, nothing too positive besides Perth just keep winning. Perth just keep on rolling. And I don't want to look like some Perth fanboy every time I get on this show, but it's just, you love the program. You love to see it. But I'll tell you what, also, Adelaide, Came into that game. Mm. I think at one point during the game, they were $8. Yeah. And it was a five-point game. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Mm. No one in the – and I understand they still went on to lose the game, but no one in the NBL should ever come into a game as unpredictable (laughs) as this league is around that $7, $6 mark. That is ridiculous. I didn't jump on it because I only just saw it before the tip-off, but luckily, but I would have got on. But anyway, speaking of the Adelaide 36ers, Josh Giddy goes down with an ankle sprain. Mm. Now – We'll have a look at the injury here, and it was fairly sort of succinct. Look at that. It looked a lot worse originally. Mm. Now, when I saw that, straight away you think knee, bang, next star's program is done. No one's ever going to do this again. But ankle, luckily, plenty of them are going to happen throughout your career. Absolutely no worry. Thoughts, queries, concerns. The main question I want to ask you is, should Giddy suit up again for the 36ers? Well, it's an interesting one because... I haven't seen any full reports on how long he's going to be out for. I'm not sure if you know any more about that because I just saw that he's in a moon boot now. He didn't play against Perth and he looked really bad. He couldn't put any weight on it and then could walk a little bit. So I'm wondering, should he play again? I We saw what happened. Lamella Ball played 12 games and they pulled him and well, that was fair enough, but he finished on the, a triple-double. So it's kind of, has Josh Giddy done? He's definitely rose. He's definitely rose up his uh, draft stocks for sure. I think he still has ways to go. I think he'll want to come back and I think he needs to. But then you look at what's going on in Adelaide as a whole and mm. does he want to be part of that? Like, I, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Well, I'll tell you what, if I, if I was Josh Giddy and I was looking at it, if I saw Brandon Paul getting shots, which he should, for some reason Brandon Paul just doesn't want to be given the ball and seems to be sitting on the bench when he could be potentially winning games. Adelaide were in that game, and I'm dig- digressing here, but Adelaide were in that mm. game until they decided, you know what, Brandon Paul, you're not going to play. We're not going to play. We're not going to give you the ball, even though he should be shooting every damn shot with Isaac and Josh Giddy out of that team. But I think the Giddy, and, and it's an unpopular opinion, and I'm sure it is because we want to watch him, and I want to watch him as well. But at the end of the day, this is a business, mm. and you've got to look out for your future. As soon as a little injury comes along, and whatever it be, when you come back from an ankle injury, and when you're in a moon boot, you have the potential to do, touch wood that this does not happen, but you have the potential to do a knee, other things if you haven't rehabbed it properly. I don't know what Josh Giddy's like with his rehab. But you just don't want to take that risk because right now he's sitting at, I believe it's 21 yeah. on the Draft Express or whatever. There's about 300 different draft analysts going around putting these out. Yeah. But I just don't think you risked it because as we saw with Dante Exum, if you sit out and don't do anything and just sort of fly off the radar, you don't drop down the standings. Yeah. You won't go up, but you don't drop down. And is Josh Giddy going to move higher than 21? I, I don't really think so. I don't think he's going to get into the teens, into the top 10. I just don't think that's going to happen in this draft class. So I reckon he's got nowhere to go but down. He's had some fantastic games. The guy is NBA talent. Yeah. But I think he capitalised on it. I think you stop right now. Bang. It's a fair point because you just don't see like Lamelo came in and knew exactly what he was doing. He was coming into this league. He was going to dominate, get all his stats, knowing that the NBA was his next step and his future. So I haven't seen Josh Giddey that hungry for his own personal stats, which is good. We don't want to see guys come in and be completely selfish. He he flies the ball around. He rarely looks to score until it's time for him to score, gets his assist, but he doesn't go really hard for those boards, which I could see he was trying to do in that game before getting hurt. 
I would have loved if he had done that earlier. He's been real close to triple doubles. If he had been like stealing rebounds, you have to steal a couple. Oh, 100%. As, as a point guard, you have to steal a couple rebounds. You can't just go and contest for 10 boards. Lamelo stole a lot, as you'd expect. Lamelo was actively hunting yeah. a triple double. He yeah. was actively hunting points to the point where it didn't really matter because when scouts are looking at it, they don't really care about your shooting percentage. I think that's what people forget. Right. The scouts that are looking at an 18-year-old kid in a professional league, they do not care about shooting percentage. They care that you're getting good shots. Yep. The easiest thing to fix on a player is their jump shot mm-hmm. and little finishing ability around the rim. That comes with age, with experience in playing the professional game. As long as you're getting to those spots, you're getting those great shots, you're moving off the ball, which everything that Josh Giddy's doing. So there's absolutely no concern with Josh Giddy's shooting percentage no. with that. And, and as you said with LaMelo Ball, hunted a triple-double. Josh Giddy wants to win doesn't hunt triple doubles, doesn't hunt stats. He does everything for his team to win. And that's what leads me to believe that we will see him again yeah. because he's not as inherently selfish as I am when I look at it from my perspective. <laughs> but, I would sit yeah. out on ice, bang, I'm probably over in the States already at one of those drafts. But games. the question is exactly, like, if he's not fully healthy coming back from this injury, what is he going to do? Because all the scouts and that looking in, yeah, they're going to watch games, they're going to look at film, but they're also going to look at stats. And that's why a triple-double stands out. That gets sent everywhere. He's almost triple-doubles. He's relying on media to really run with it. And like people have done well. Olgan's done well. Everybody's saying, like NBL, that, yeah, he's dominating these games without getting that elusive But we don't double. need the media hype. And it was the same with Lamelo. Well, that was these scouts come anyway. don't care what, was- and this is no offense to the to Olgan or yep. Homicide or any of these guys hyping Giddy up. They don't, they're not reading these articles and deciding their draft position no. based on an ESPN article. They're not worrying about what homicide's screaming on the broadcast. <laughs> they have ice. Yeah. They, they watch the game yeah. and they evaluate talent through yeah. that. It's not word of mouth these days. It used to be word of mouth when you couldn't exactly get over here and watch all the games. It's not that anymore. They can see every single game. They know exactly what Josh Giddy's doing and they're to make their analysis based on what Josh Giddy is doing on the court. And right now... I think he's pretty well evaluated oh, for sure. at that 21 spot. Which, and that's the thing, as we said, is if he's not fully healthy, how does he come back in? Because you don't want to. He doesn't. If he's not fully come, healthy, he doesn't yeah, come back in. And come Adelaide back in. are looking at a payout as well if he gets drafted, right. I believe, around the $500,000 mark. Ooh. Ooh. I believe that there's yeah. a buyout yep. to do with this around the $500,000 mark. And that, that could be wrong. That's yeah. not 100% set in stone. That's what I've been told. You never know where that's come from. Well, Adelaide, look at, look at their season. To make finals, they need to have a big run. So it's almost like if they're not going to make finals, do they just give other guys a chance who perhaps haven't had a chance or maybe are out of contract, seeing what's happened next? Dan Dillon played well against the Wildcats. All these guys, Madronja started. So that's the thing. They've all got to weigh up as the Sixers. And if you're Josh Giddy, you've got to do. You've got to make what's best for you. Yeah, like he has to make situation. his decision make in this case. But you've got, you. you've got to look at the perspectives from everyone. You've got Connor Henry. Mm. He wants to keep his job. You've got to start Obviously. winning games. Yeah. So he wants Josh Giddy to play. Yeah. Management, they're probably looking at that. Jesus, a big payout when this guy yeah. gets drafted. We want to make sure at all costs that he gets drafted this year because that clause may only exist for this year while he's under contract. Yeah. If he does his knee, God forbid, touch wood, then maybe that money isn't there when he gets drafted the next year. Yeah. So you just don't know. I wonder if Isaac Humphries comes back sooner, that'll help his cause because that's 100%. More, more pieces for them to work Because the around. last thing he wants to do is be out there. And Josh Giddy's not an elite finisher at the rim at the moment. No. He just, it's just not in his game at the moment. He will be in good time. We say it time and time again. The kid's 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> He's got time. I'm not looking for him. You look, he gets in the right spots, though. That finishing ability will come, but I still reckon you need that bailout with Isaac rolling down the middle of the key because he's used that time and time again. And without him there, I just don't know. Daniel Johnson's a pick-and-pop guy. It's not the same having a guy rolling straight down the middle of the paint, drawing the defender away. So at the end of the day, I'm saying, Josh Giddy, if you're not 100%, sit out on ice. You are saying... I'm saying the final word. Well, I'm with you. I think he's... Ah, you NBL no, mouthpiece. I want to see, see him play because I enjoy watching. I would love to see 
him continue to progress. But I am worried that if he's not going to be at 100%, that's good. But yeah. I would love to 100% see... 100% play, 99% don't sit play. out. I'd love to see the 36ers at full strength from the start of the season with Brandon with Paul. Brandon Paul. That's a finals And team. also, shout out to Connor Henry. If you'd like to put him on the court, we'd also appreciate that <laughs> because we do like to see the guy play. Kansas continuing to implode, sitting last on the ladder. If there was one thing... I would have said at the start of the season that would not happen. It would be Cairns would implode. Our whole thing last year was this team gets along. Yeah. They've got their retaining imports. Mm. They're retaining players on the team. Their roster remained relatively unchanged. Mm. But no, and it looks to get even worse now with Kuatnoi sitting yeah. out. So who do we lay the blame on here? Because it's a blame game, this little media industry or whatever the hell we're doing here. It's a blame game. Imports? Mm. Cam Oliver? Severely underwhelming, in my opinion. Yeah. Scotty Machado's playing, doing his role, mm. getting assists. He's an assist first, pass first point guard. He's playing his role. Other role players, hmm, attitudes. We saw Nate Jarwai getting subbed out of the game, mm. punching the chair. And we'll have a look at it right here. What do, what do you think of this one as a player? Look, the, the game was tight, and you can see he's not getting taken. He was playing some really good basketball, but in the end, you look at the whole package from the season as a whole of, of what... Nate's had some good games. Other games, he's gone missing. So you look, he's clearly coming out now for defense because they're worried that Sydney will score too easily against Nate's defense, and, and he's not happy with that. But the problem is, is you're right, there are so many little spot fires in that Cairns Taipans team. So I don't think you can just blame like one person. The thing is, I think they came in and the expectation was on them, and that's why you, even coming into the, the season when Machado signed Oliver Simon, like, yeah, we're, we're coming for that championship. That's why we came back. There's a big difference between being the hunter and being the hunter. 100%. And they, once they started struggling early, it just seemed to get between the ears. And then when everything kept falling, now it's almost like they know the season's done and they're like, man, we just want this to be over. Like, this was screwed back when we were playing in the snag pit. Like, we can't turn this around. And when one person drops that attitude, it's contagious. You see that when someone's upset, which it has been every game, the next person's upset at them. And then it's just a snowball effect and they keep losing games. What? A, what? A, the, the one thing that I find sort of strange in this is the criticism that Mike Kelly's copping through this. Now, people say, how did this guy get coach of the year last year? Well, they were elite last year. Well, they were elite last <laughs> year. That's why he got coach of the year. Yeah. It was a well-coached unit. And it still is. I, I, coaches don't just drop off. If there's no. one thing, players drop off in their consistency and don't play well year on year. You never know how to think. Coaches, usually pretty consistent. A drop-off like this cannot be attributed to the coaching staff of the Cairns Taipans. And I will die on that hill. This is a player-based thing and whether it's the travel which hasn't been as brutal to the type answers as it has other teams or just the nature of the season and they just haven't dealt with it well this is not a Mike Kelly issue we are not sitting and like some people are saying oh Mike Kelly needs to go that's the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever heard in my life can't have a coach that is a great coach they have great assistance that they need to keep hold of the last thing you want to do is lose Mike Kelly through this and then get someone else in there and then we turn into a shit show again in the, in Cairns. sport is the narrative for this which I cannot stand is if teams win everyone's like the playing group's elite Teams lose, the coach sucks. And every single sport's like that. Anytime you win a championships, man, what a roster they had. You don't live up to your expectations. The coach can't get the squad together. At some point, you do have to put something down to the players. And yeah, there is plenty of instances around. The team's where, playing where like shit. The, coach, the players yeah. are playing there like are, shit. The operation was a of, success, but the patient died. Yeah, there are plenty of Ball's other gotta go in the fucking hole. situations where you look at it and say, yeah, that coach probably made some bad calls there. We're looking at that. But it's definitely unfair to keep throwing it all on him. There's no way that that's all. He doesn't get play. out there and say, Cam Oliver, play half intensity. 
Yeah, no, and there's definitely been some substitution things here and there and who he's put in the start, and we've all questioned that. We've all wanted to see Mojave well, the King. Mojave King stuff doesn't help at all. No. It doesn't help with that, and I think even if the Taipans were winning games and Mojave King was sitting on the bench, Mike Kelly would still be getting this criticised. And the thing that I've said yeah. this time and time again, he sees this kid day in, day out at practice. Mm. He wants to win games. He's clearly made the decision just like he subbed Jarway out because he would have been a defensive liability in a tied game going down that end of the floor. Smart sub. Mojave King, he sees this kid every single day. When do we see this kid? We see him flash in the pan. Little moments during the games. We're not at practice every day. Who are we to judge why someone's playing and why someone's not? I just find it's a ridiculous concept. If a coach is benching someone and not playing them the minutes that you think they deserve... Where's your information coming from based on the guy that's with him every single day? And the problem with, as we said, being contagious is if you're on the court and you see Nate come off and he punched the chair, which is, is going to make a noise. If I'm on the court and I, I'm like, man, why is he going off? And I'm all of a sudden it's in my mind. I'm not paying attention to the last minute 40. The next guy's going to do the same thing because he sees that I'm pissed off and then it's a snowball effect. So there's, it's been like that for a long time now for the type ends. And last year we saw when anything their back's against the wall they would. They'd have fun. They're not having fun, and that's no. And that's no one has fun when you're losing. Playing. It's like no, exactly. winning is a remedy for everything that can go wrong in a team. Yep. And you know what? It's the NBL. Anything can happen. Oh yeah. They can turn this thing around. I have no doubt about that. I think it's going to be very tough, mm. especially without Noy. But it is what it is. Cam Oliver, if he lights up, he's the heart and soul of that team. The energy, sort of like Deshaun Tate was with Sydney. Mm. When he played well, that team was great. And now Sydney, well coached unit, guys will get along. They're having fun. Oh, yeah, well, they are. They're having fun. Yeah. That's, a, that's a whole nother topic. But anyway, we've got to keep rolling. Yep. Is our game over-officiated? Mm. I'm going to say a big, fat yes yep. on this one. I love free-flowing basketball. Now, the foul rates in the NBA, the average game's going to have around 45 fouls, mm. substantially longer quarters, longer game, much more physical. And then we're sitting at around 35 on a, 35 on a bad night. Yep. And that's just fouls. Mm. That's not the issue. It's the double dribbles, the travels, all of these little things that we have that annoys me. There are so many stoppages. We go for a review, it takes ages. So many stoppages in these games that it just doesn't feel like it has any of that free-flowing entertainment aspect to it. I'd be happy if we had 20 fouls a game. That'd be great. And some games have had that. But all the other whistles, the travels, if something's a great play, just let it roll. (laughs) Understand that this is an entertainment product. We don't have to whistle every single thing. And the NBA is the one league in the world, and the European leagues have started to Mm. do that a bit as well, understanding that you've got to make this game as friendly, viewer-friendly to as many people as possible. Don't fucking call everything. You've done well with three times not dropping that. I know. I sort of – for those listening, thinking we're beeping that out. That's not a beep (laughs) out. That is literally just me pulling myself Uh, up. My biggest one here is on the fouls because I'm looking at one – Colton Iverson on the weekend oh. against the Bullets. This man got fouled off. Four of his five fouls, he didn't move. He is just, Did a, not move. Tanner Krebs came in the lane once he's a brick and just wall. ran straight into it. He's a brick wall. And not only that, Tanner Krebs tried to Euro him, hit his hip, and fell over. Yeah, because Colton Iverson's massive, and that's not on Colton Iverson. And I looked at it, and he was upset, Dan Schmidt, and rightly so. I will... We got to know who we're officiating as well. Like if it's Colton Ives and Nate I very two similar brick walls. If you run into him, you're going to fall down. It doesn't necessarily have to be a foul on them. We always have trouble with the bigs the way they're officiated. Every single time, Bogut mm. when he first came into the league, every Everything. single time someone drove in, and this was a top elite level defensive player. Yeah, a on the world stage, this guy was one of the best big defenders in the world at one point. Yeah, and he just comes into the NBL, bang, 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 whistled, whistled. And I remember saying when he first came to the league, we're going to ruin this thing. 
this guy's not even going to come back for a second year if they keep whistling the game like this. And Colton Iverson's getting the same treatment. Officials here, and I'm not going to blame the refs on court because they're only as good as what they've been taught yeah. and what they've been told to call. We've yeah. got to remember that. Yeah, yeah. If you want to come at the officials, you've got to go right to the top because yeah. they're being taught, instructed, told – this is the interpretation of the rule. This is how we're going to call it. They don't just sit there and say, oh, this is how I'm going to call this one today. No, they're told guidelines. The guidelines need to just remove whatever it says for the bigs. Just rub that off the whiteboard. I feel just that's, that's where I am. Colton Iverson I is bigs. getting frustrated. Yeah. He's played in Europe for a long time. Yeah, exactly. He's got a whole lot of bigs that yeah. play in Europe that we'd love to see over in this league. What's he going to say to them? No effing way. You come over here, it's a death sentence for your career because you're going to play 15 minutes a game and you're going to have five fouls every single time. It's ridiculous. Well, it's, it's more, as you said, it, however you're told to call a game, I believe, if you're, you can't call the game for Colton Iverson the same way you call it for Ben Moore. One's an athlete, one's a brick wall. So they're going to be out, they're going to defend things differently. You can't have the same kind of Ridiculous. effect. So that's where I'm at, especially the bigs. And I think you brought up before the off the ball fouls. There's a lot of those with a lot of holding and, and one. If a guy's holding a, jer- a jersey, it's an unsportsmanlike foul straight away. Yeah. So is, there's a difference between that and trying to top lock and, and not let them get open. And I'm, but even yeah. basic things, mm. like even things that in the NBA is clearly not a foul. Like the, the one that sticks out to me, I think it was Colton Iverson's fourth foul. But Tanner Krebs just drives yeah. right down the lane. Colton Iverson just stands there being the big body he is. And just because there's contact, just because there's heavy contact, does not mean it's a foul. And for transparency, I think the refs have a very, very difficult job. Oh, yeah. Very difficult job. I refed intramural basketball in the (laughs) States for a couple of times. I'll tell you what, I was being called an F-wit the entire time. That probably had had nothing to do with the actual officiating. That was just people yelling from outside the Mm. hall. But I understand it's a tough job. But something needs to happen with the guidelines and the instructions that these refs are being given. Just let the game flow a little bit more. Let it go. No one, no one wants to watch fouls. We can live with how is that not a foul rather than why are we calling so many. Well, the, the, as the last thing we talk about that Colton Ives one, you got to realize he's not going to move quick enough to be moving during that. He, he's no. not, he's got feet are concrete to the ground, and that's how it's going to be. But yeah, I'm with you. <sighs> You're all right, mate. Refs. It's like grrr Mondays for Garfield, grrr refs. In player out of bounds, should we be alarmed at all with the suspect crowds we've seen at Melbourne United and South East Melbourne games over the last week? No. It doesn't look good at all. I think it's like 1,500. 50% capacity on the arena. I think maybe it's up to the 2,000 mark. But you got to remember, Melbourne United before this would get 10,000 into the arena. I don't think, the South yeah. think it was 7,500, that sort of thing. Southeast Melbourne, new team, was growing that audience as well. Are we concerned? I don't think we're concerned. One, because obviously we had the NBL Cup where tickets were cheaper and people could all come and watch Melbourne United in two games, and now it's getting back into the routine. You try and uh, put that in the same uh, momentum we have of United were losing four in a row, and it's almost like, well, is this worth So I don't think we're too worried about it in that circumstance I personally would have liked after the NBL Cup for them to go on the road for probably two or three weeks and make the fans miss it and want to come back um, so I think as we start to go towards the end of the business end of the season where we're expecting United and we're expecting Phoenix to probably be there it'll start to ramp up at the possibility of a throwdown final series at some point so I don't think we should be worried now it's only been a week after the NBL Cup where everyone was going or if you're a Melbourne fan or a Phoenix fan you're going to NBL Cup games I have absolutely zero concern Oh, okay. Zilch concern. Yeah, yeah. And if you're worried about that, you're picking at straws right now. Mm. We've just had a – I think I've used the word I was going to use on this show before and had to be bleeped oh. out. But <laughs> we've had a whole lot of games coming at you from all angles. Yeah. People is fatigue. you got $10 tickets. No yeah. one's going to no go, oh, okay, we just went to four United games in a week. We're just going to go to another one now. Yeah. 
No. And you're getting two games for 10 bucks. It's fatigue. We got footy that's just started back mm. in Melbourne. There's a big crossover between AFL fans and NBL fans. If you just look at through various people that I engage with on social media, for stuff sure. like that. There's a huge crossover there. There's going to be a lull period like this after the NBL Cup. That is no surprise. And I think that's a fantastic suggestion saying that Melbourne should have gone on the road mm. to finish this. Yep. But it's again well, you've logistics. Still, you never know what. There's the still a long season to come, so it'll the long come. Season. It'll come back right off the back back. of this. If you, I was actually happy we got anyone there. Yeah, hundred percent. You're Australian, by the way. Today has been phenomenal. Yeah, I know. I can't, it I feels like I, I feel like. Well, I just don't trust our producers in the truck Fair to be enough. able to bleep stuff out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, hot and cold. We'll kick it off. My oh. Melbourne versus Sydney prediction. Mm. Mm. Colder. Here we go, rivalry time. Melbourne United taking on the Sydney Kings. Now, the Kings finally get a home game this year, but unfortunately for them, it's coming up against Melbourne United, who haven't been playing the best basketball recently, but it's still going to be enough to get it done over the undermanned Kings. You don't get Melbourne at the underdog price tag too often, so I'm pretty happy to play with them here. I reckon they get this one done convincingly, so much so that when you look at the handicap markets here, you're not getting a good price there, considering that the line is so close. So if you want to get some value, look towards the big win, little win markets. You would think that the Kings are going to win. I don't think they're going to get it done by more than 1 to 10, so I'm happy to play with them there, but I think it's going to be a big one for Melbourne United. That 11 plus is where I'm going to play. Enjoy the game. Now for those that maybe didn't check the scores in that one, (laughs) every single thing about that one was wrong. How much did Sydney end up winning by? 30. 30. Mm. And I had Melbourne... 11 plus. Not with confidence that, as yeah, well. I, with confidence. In quote, Melbourne get this one convincingly. Now, if you had a little little dabble on that game because you saw the Von Hoff and you got a couple <laughs> minutes beforehand, just send him your slip. He gets paid enough and I'm sure he'll look after you. That was disgusting. <laughs> that was the and coldest I wasn't even able. Takes. I wasn't even able to watch that game. No. Well, something else fair on enough. the time. And that fair was enough. absolutely woeful. Would mm. you listen to another tip from me after getting that one? I haven't listened since for a while. Well, you wouldn't listen. You know me well enough where you wouldn't listen to the one from the, in the but first that's, place. You've had a couple. You've had a couple. That There's been a couple of bangs. I, I like them all because I love the, the all the little humour we get on tag there. And all the taglines. And you've had a couple rippers. I think you had a Sobe 25-plus and Brisbane to win, which was good. And that got up. He had 30-odd. And I was yeah, like, oh, man. You know what the audience, the, the voice of opposition is always the loudest, Pete. Oh, well, your strike rate's... Yeah, Aaron Finch last year. <laughs> it's terrible. It is terrible. No, okay, change the topic, change the topic. <laughs> will New Zealand play a home game this year? Hold on, Cole. New Zealand will play a home game this year. We know the secret. Cole, no, they won't. How come? No, I don't think they will. I don't. reason. Don't just say that you don't think they will. Well, I mean, Auckland got out of that lockdown, and so I think they're still – until we have a consistent period of uh, both ways, sorry, A lot of talk traffic. that that quarantine's going to be removed. It would be nice, but again, as soon as it's removed, they're not going to throw a home game over there just in case something oh, I th- happens. Oh, I think bang, do it. Well, if a team gets stuck there. Reward this team. Oh, they're I'm not going to get I'm stuck there. There's no issues with it with New Zealand. New Zealand have one case. In- the thing is, here we go. If it's going to happen, it's going to have to be a Melbourne or Phoenix there because we're, we're more likely to leave our border open than something else. We didn't close borders for a while. Oh, you can have, yeah, you could have. No, no, no. I think you'd get Do the, not send Perth there. If we're talking about closing border, I think you get the Kings there. Perth, yeah, oh, stay yeah. away from New Zealand. Stay you might not be allowed in yeah. for another year if yeah. McGowan gets, gets going. Sydney or a Melbourne team. Sydney yeah. or a Melbourne team, but I reckon you give them one game. Play it at the arena. They pack it out. They mm. haven't had this team. I don't care whether that team's winning or losing. Breakers fans are loyal, and they will come to that game understanding what's been going on. I think it'd be great for just one game during the year for the Breakers to be able to play in front I don't, of friends, yeah. family, everyone. Like I'm with you. I don't know the exact time difference, but I think the game's going to have to be where whichever team it is can fly out straight after the game that night. Yep. So I think if, if that may be a 10 a.m. broadcast time for Australia, you just got to do it if it gets them home. So, hot. Hot. Cold. Okay. No, hot. I don't think it'll happen, but I'd warm. like to see it happen. I butchered the segment for the yeah. 72nd mm. week in a row. 
The final three plays of the South East Melbourne versus Adelaide game. Oh now, my this goodness. was woeful. Wasn't it? Now, there was, there was the jacked up threes, but the mm. worst one, the inbounds play. Yeah, four seconds left. No, 1.4. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1. 1.4 seconds yeah. left. And uh, again, Cam Glidden's a great play. Mm. He made a mistake on the play. Well, did he? Was he the first one to make a mistake? It was the, on who the was play? inbounding the ball? Adam Gibson, which you Gibbo. wouldn't expect Gibbo to be. I doing wouldn't this. expect those are two high IQ dudes, mm. Cammy Glidden and Gibbo. Kyle Adnam, wide open at the top. Now, I, I do give a bit of restraint to Gibbo here because there was high hands on it. It would have been a loping There was, and that, on that, Kyle Adams got to come back to the ball. He was going further away. If he comes back, it's a wide open shot, but I think there's about four guys at fault in this but one. The, the clock only starts when the guy touches the ball. Yeah, exactly. So he can throw that pass way over the top. Yeah. No, I don't think you have to come to the ball on that, but I can understand with the high hands. Okay, we can maybe forgive that one. Next up, we got Cam Glidden that comes off the downswing. Great play, Simon Mitchell. Yeah. Fantastic play. If you had three seconds. And I don't think he intended to hit the roll on that one as more of a slip play. But throwing it to the roller with 1.4? It's a shot. Hmm. You've got to shoot that yourself. You've got a time for a dribble and that's it. Incredibly frustrating for people but- who may have been on <laughs> the Phoenix to win that game. They did win that game in overtime. They did. But yeah. But um, the unders. The. Uh, the plays before that, the Sixers called timeouts and literally just ran an ISO play for Brandon Paul to, and he settled for contested deep threes. He got to the rim twice already in that fourth quarter. The, I'll never understand that as a general concept. You're, you're, the, the game was tied. Yeah, I never understand that when people have had so much. Casper falls into this gap yeah. as well. Casper gets to the rim, uses his body bank, but then it seems like every time there's 10 seconds left, everyone's like, no, we've got to go for a three. No matter what, layup, you've got to go for a three or a pull-up jumper. Yeah. I'm a big fan of getting to the paint. And this is coming from someone who could never got to the paint. Never yeah. got in the paint. Mm. I don't even know what it was like to touch the keyway in college. No. Doesn't surprise me. I took a lot of shots. Yep. Did not feel like it was. Also doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Hold a call. Brokoff needs to step up. How much leaf how much uh, leash are we giving him here? I'm saying it's cold. He doesn't he needs more of a more of a leash because he's he's playing such short spurts. I don't know if there's some restriction there. I was kind of questioning. I thought there might be a little hammy thing because he was wrapped up the game before. You'd hope so. But you've got a guy coming in who's high, I know he hasn't played for a year. It doesn't matter how much he's practicing. His game form is going to come from playing games. So if he's struggling out there, you've got to let him work through that to come out the other side. You can't pull him off and be like, reset, Guys never reset, played reset, in the NBL reset. before. No, but exactly like that, right. That's the thing. That's why I'm saying your point stands there yeah. because you've got to get it. It's a, got to, every league is different. Every game yeah. style is different when you move from country to country. The NBA, FIBA, it's all different. This is NBL stuff. There's got to be something more because especially with that Mitch Creek, you'd expect he would have played 25 minutes. He didn't. Yeah. You know, he had four fouls eventually, but you've got to let him find his feet. You can't I want to see him just go off. And I'm a little bit disappointed because I wanted it to happen early. Mm. Maybe I'm expecting well, he, too much. He did he, he did wet a three on his first touch. That's what I mean. That's what got me excited. I was like, yeah. okay, here we go. He's going to score 30 this game. Yeah. But bang, I'd, I would like to see a little bit more. Whether it's more minutes this week, whatever it is, I want to see Brokoff get going and get this Southeast Melbourne team we'll call some. rolling. We'll find out what's going on. Like we know. Finally, players mm. calling for reviews. Weep, weep, weep. Oh, I can't stand it, to be honest. And oh. I, I, as a guy who didn't like any call that was against me, it's. I've never missed a shot I wasn't fouled on. No. I know you still wouldn't catch me going. Every when you can't single call one. play is everyone wants the finger 12 review. Yeah. And it's almost like. There, people don't realise, especially players, so if it's down to bounds call, if the umpire's not 100% certain, they're going to review it. If they're 100% certain, but the guys in the replay centre aren't, they'll tell them to hold up, we're going to have a look at this. So 
We don't need There's any more There's two holder. people there who are making decisions. The main one who calls it, if they're not certain, they'll ask for it. If they're certain, but the people in the replay office, pretty sure Scott Butler's in there overseeing it all. If he's not certain, Ooh, they'll say slow named. down. You've just snitched. He's the biggest. He's, snitched he's to our the, audience who's sitting in there. There's yeah, but do they all five know that? people in there. They'll come at him. There's five What's your people DM, Scott Butler? <laughs> he's, I mean, he's the referee boss, so yeah, it's yeah. All, he's making sure. But that's what I mean. The players are always worried about everything. Don't be, because there's – Two people or five people in there who, if they're not certain about it, they'll tell you to hold the game. Every single player is 12. And also, there's no coach's challenge. Stop yelling at the coach saying, challenge it. That's gone. Everyone's doing that as well. (laughs) Including Mike Kelly, who did ask for a coach's challenge. I'll tell you what I want. I want jump balls to be back. I'm with you. I want the review system to be scrapped. Mm. Bring it back to the days where, you know, if you've got a bad call, that's... It's the lay of the land. That's what you got. Deal with what you got. You got a bad call, but it keeps the game flowing. Let them yell. Let them scream. Last two minutes. Maybe slow down. Last two minutes. No, no, no. Nothing. Mm. Ten-minute quarters, jump ball, short shorts. Get it all back to the glory days. Maybe play it at the glass house. I don't know. But I just feel like we're getting getting too into the reviews and all this sort of stuff. It's such a sport. It's gone away from human error. Yeah, it's gone away from human error. It's gone away from human error. Just leave that in there. Put the onus on the refs. They won't be. It's like goal umpires in the I AFL. I was going to go there. I didn't want to go there. Goal umpires in the AFL. You trust them? You could sit there having a coffee, sitting back on the uh, yeah. on the bench, and then one goes through. Oh, review it. Yeah. Get as, it long, as long as we see David Rowan smile, I don't care. He's one of the best men in He's the in AFL here. right there. Well, anyway, that's all we got time for this week. We're going to be back again next week, hopefully with a couple more mm. <laughs> newsworthy stories. Giddy, will he be playing next week or will he not? We'll see. We'll find out. And always remember, gamble responsibly.